This is Financially Tuned with Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard of Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals, your money, and your plans in perfect harmony. And now, here is Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard to help you find out how to be financially tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another show of Financially Tuned with myself, Baron Fitzgerald, and Simon Hilliard from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. If at any point during the show you'd like to learn a little bit more information about what we've been discussing, please feel free to give us a call at 855-793-2409 or visit us on our website, wellingtonadams.com. And while you're at the website, please also feel free to head on over to our radio page. We have a list of all of our previous shows. And if there's any that you've missed and you want to tune in, you have the opportunity to do so there. Um, At this time, I'd actually like to welcome to our show the one and only Mr. Tony Shore, our co-host. How are you, Tony? Oh, Baron. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, Thanks for that introduction. And uh, this show is going to be a good one, I know. Um, Simon, how have you been, by the way? I'm doing well, my man. Thank you for asking. Happy to be here Yeah. early on a Saturday morning. Yeah. Well, guys, I know you have a very special show planned. And Baron, uh, I know you're excited about today's show because we have a special guest. Why don't you let our listeners know about that? Who's our special guest today? Yeah, Tony, we actually do have a special guest with us um, for our show. His name is Mr. Jeremy Bryan. He is one of the senior portfolio managers who heads up several of the Gradient portfolios. Gradient Investment Advisors are uh, an advisory portfolio manager that we utilize. So we're really, really happy to bring uh, Jeremy on today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what happened in 2018 and then a little bit of our outlook for 2019. So welcome, Jeremy. How you doing? I'm doing well, sir. Thanks for having me on. Terrific. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit? Why don't we just get right into it today? Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about reviewing what happened in 2018. Any uh, any uh, words that you want to give us to explain what happened with that crazy, especially towards the end of the year? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we were calling 2018 kind of the nowhere to hide market in 2018. It's just one That's of those right. years where none of the asset classes really worked all that well in 2018. Um, bonds, bonds were about the best performing asset class, but when I say best performing asset class, they were flat. I mean, they really didn't perform very well last year. Stocks were down in the U.S., uh, down about 4 or 5% if you look at the S&P, but international stocks had a much worse year, down about 10 to 15% for 2018. So pretty much a negative year across the globe in the stock market. And then if you think about one of the asset classes, when everything's not working, a lot of people look to gold, right? Um, usually you see that working a little bit differently. If stocks aren't working, chances are sometimes gold is. Well, didn't work in 2018 either. Gold had a little bit of a rally towards the end of the quarter, but still ended up down the year about 2%. So again, across the landscape really wasn't a lot of places to hide. If you were going to 
perform in 2018, I guess your best avenue was was more in the safer assets, frankly. You know, if you think about cash returns, if you think about three-month treasuries, because the Federal Reserve was raising rates, you had an increase in the amount of cash return you were getting. So actually holding cash in your portfolio is one of the better decisions you could make, <laughs> which is rare in over longer periods of time and generally tends to destroy value. But in 2018, it's just one of those strange years where it worked. But Oh, or, right. you know, across the rest of the landscape, just just not a lot of real positive nature of, of 2018, despite a pretty strong U.S. economy overall. Yeah, you know, I mean, I had actually a lot of conversations with clients about, you know, especially before or up to September 30th, you had a lot of clients, they were seeing that the S&P was hitting new highs, new highs every day. And they were like, well, why is my portfolio you know, only up one or 2% or even flat when the S&P is hitting new highs every day. And they didn't really understand that a large majority of those um, gains were really driven just because of the large cap value, which was up about three and a quarter at up till September 30th. And then the large cap growth sectors, which was doing really, really phenomenally well. So if you were in that one particular sector, you were doing well, but we all know, and we're all taught that we, we really need to diversify our portfolios so that we have a smoother ride. And actually, um, Mr. Mike Binger, one of the, uh, another one of the gradient portfolio managers, we were at a conference uh, at the beginning of this year, and he had said uh, a, a line that I really thought rang true. And, and he said, diversification works over time, just not all of the time. And that's what happened a lot this past year where, you know, if you were diversified, you had a lot of other sectors that really weren't performing well. So it kind of affected their portfolios. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, diversification, you're absolutely right. We say that mantra pretty consistently over here is that we want to be diversified, but it's not always going to work. And as a matter of fact, when you are diversified, there's always going to be one asset class outperforming you. And as you mentioned in September, that was U.S. growth stock. So you saw the S&P 500 was very different from the rest of the world during that period. But as we saw in October, November, December, that corrected as well. Right. And, and, and then exactly. it just kind of led to everything being down on the air. Right. So all those clients that were, you know, so happy that they were in that one sector, you know, up until that point, well, they're the ones that took the really, really big hit on the way back down too. That's exactly right. So, so what do you think, Jeremy, are some of the other, other reasons that, you know, what were some of the bigger news stories that we had um, for 2018? What do you think really kind of created a lot of that volatility that we had? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to start, I mean, volatility is something we deal with in markets every day. It's just part of, part of investing in stocks overall. What was interesting was 2017, we just had almost none, right? And so people kind of got used to the fact that we didn't have a lot of movements and it was generally a pretty positive environment. 2018, the volatility came back. Just as an, as an example, 2017, we had eight days total of plus or minus 1% moves in the S&P 500. In 2018, we had 64 of those days. Yeah, so a wow, very right. different market from one year to the other. And so yep. where that complacency kind of led through to 2017, we did not see that repeat itself in 2018. And there were plenty of reasons. There's always reasons for volatility in the markets generally. But in 2018, we had we had some aggressive ones. And I think the first one in my example was trade tensions, tra- tariff talk, those types of things really, really threw people for a loop about what we were going to expect from global growth in, in 2018 and 2019. You know, if you think about trade tensions in the early part, it was with Canada and Mexico and what we were going to do there from that perspective. 
and then really ramped up about what we were going to do with regard to trade with China. So a lot of those tensions, because we are a global economy and we, you know, we get exports, imports from other parts of the globe, you know, it, it can lead to what what happens in our growth profile and lead to more questions with, with what happens to our growth. So I think that was a big component of why you saw increased volatility. But outside of that, we also saw slowing global growth, um, you know, especially outside the U.S. I think the U.S. generally in 2018 probably performed better than most people anticipated starting at right. the beginning of the year. We had, yeah, sure. you know, GDP was probably higher than anticipated. Yep. Jobs were still growing strong. Corporate earnings were still 20% plus. So we had really good data in the U.S. What we did see is European and especially Chinese economies started to slow down a little bit. And we started to see some deceleration in Europe and some pretty significant deceleration in China. Now, are they in recession? Not according to their numbers, but we did see some slowing, slowing growth there, which created some concern for can we continue to, can the U.S. continue to grow when the rest of the world is beginning to slow down? And the last two things that I want to discuss that, that were pretty big news stories in 2018 were the rising interest rates. Obviously, we saw that and how that corresponded to what we're seeing in the economies. So if you think about rising interest rates, it's usually you're doing that when you think things are healthy and things are going well. And that's what we saw with the U.S. Federal Reserve doing. They were increasing rates, short-term rates in the beginning part because they don't want inflation to go get out of hand because we're growing too fast. The concern was, are they seeing the same things that other people are seeing with regard to slowing growth? And are they rising rates as we're slowing? That's going to choke off the growth that we're seeing in the U.S. That was a lot of concern with regard to how they were rising rates. Were they doing it too fast? Were they being too aggressive in that regard? And then the last one that I saw was uh, the big fall in oil prices. And this was more of a second half issue. Um you know, you saw oil prices rise to nearly, I think it was $77 in September, and we ended near closer to $50 by the end of December. So had a pretty significant correction in oil prices. And again, yeah. what that tends to be from is, you know, if people are worried about the demand scenario, if China's, you know, slowing, if Europe is slowing, they're just not going to use as much oil. And then on the flip side is you have U.S. being a, a predominant supplier now, which wasn't the case 10 or 15 years ago. But it's certainly the case now is that we are a major supplier of, of oil. And so when you have OPEC nations like Saudi Arabia and others that are increasing their production, while the U.S. is increasing production as well, you get kind of an oversupplied condition or at least the threat of an oversupplied condition. So that's what caused that big dramatic turnover is people started to get worried about the global growth environment, but also that we're oversupplied. And so you had a pretty significant correction in oil, which obviously affects the oil stocks pretty aggressively for, you know, the companies that are reliant upon those prices for their earnings. Right. Well, you know, guys, I think we have to take a quick break here. Baron, is there anything you want to add before the break? Um, no, just a lot of good stuff that we're hearing about right now from Jeremy. Looking forward to uh, talking with him about what we're going to expect in 2019. But just want to remind all of our listeners, if you have any questions or, you know, we have actually a lot of listeners coming in and sitting down and talking with us. So if you'd like to, please feel free to give us a call. 855-793-2409. We'll be happy to provide a complimentary consultation for you. Um, if not, give a phone call. You're more than happy to contact us on the website, wellingtonadams.com. All right. That sounds great. Thanks, Baron and Simon. 
And thanks, uh, Jeremy, our special guest. Listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more of Financially Tuned and our hosts, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard, right after this. Do you feel like you need help navigating your retirement? Retirement can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. With our Retirement Income Toolkit, you can get the information you need to help secure your retirement. This toolkit provides valuable information on income planning, asset allocation, tax planning, legacy planning, and more. Receive your Retirement Toolkit from Wellington Adams Investment Advisory by visiting wellingtonadams.com or by calling us at 855-793-2409. And welcome back to Financially Tuned with our hosts, Baron Fitzgerald and Simon Hilliard. I'm your co-host, Tony Shore. And of course, we have a very special guest today, Jeremy Bryan, Senior Portfolio Manager from Gradient Investments. And uh, this has been a great discussion so far. Uh, Simon, good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, it's been nice to have Jeremy on here. Uh, Interesting getting feedback sometimes from the portfolio managers that we're working with. We appreciate you taking the time, Jeremy. Some good points kind of uh, as we wrapped up kind of what we looked at last year, good points about, you know, there's nowhere to hide kind of the broad market in all areas kind of down negatively or flat for the year. Not a lot of uh, positive growth, except for some of those kind of stable safe havens like cash uh, safety there. And, you know, it was nice to hear kind of the feedback on what you thought kind of went into that. So we'll get started here in this next segment, talk a little bit about kind of you know, what we see when we look forward to 2019 and your thoughts on that, Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, what we always focus on, and, and this is consistent across our themes at Gradient, is that we're focused on the fundamentals. And, and when we say that, what does that mean? Well, one, we're focused on the economy. What does the economy look like both in the U.S. and around the globe for 2019? What do we what do we think is happening? What are the big issues that we should be looking at? Second, we're going to look at corporate earnings. We want to know what companies are saying, what companies are doing, what companies are earning, because that flows into what we're paying for those things. And so that's what we have to understand, which is the valuations. So are earnings increasing, are earnings decreasing? What are companies saying about their situations? Are they able to raise prices and all that fun stuff? And then secondarily, how much are we paying for that in the markets based upon the prices that we have right now? So that's always yeah, sure. our focus at Gradient, um, and, and I'd be happy to expound on on, on each of those uh, points here going forward. Yeah, yeah. why don't you talk a little bit about that first point about the economy and kind of where you think that looks uh, moving forward this year. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, from the economic environment, we think the U.S., the biggest question is, can we remain strong? You know, can we still grow jobs? Can we still grow wages? Are we still going to, are our consumers outspending still? The early indications seem yes. Um, you know, the last jobs report was very strong, stronger than expected. And nicely about it, too, is that the prior months were revised upward. So we still have right. a very strong jobs environment right now, which is usually pretty good for the U.S. economy, because generally when jobs are strong and we have very tight unemployment right now, I think we're below 4% still. Usually when that happens, that means wages are going to rise. And that means people have more to spend at the end of the day. And being that the U.S. economy is a consumer-driven economy, about 70% of our economy is driven by consumption, us spending and buying things. Um, that tends to be good when we have jobs and we have higher wages. We go out and <laughs> right. spend more. And so that leads us to being, at least right now, we're still pretty positive on the U.S. economy. We think it's going to still grow. Will it grow as fast as last year? I don't know. Uh, it, it could grow at the same pace. It could be slightly slower. 
But we don't see anything, at least right now, that foretells anything that's a recessionary environment right, right. now. What do you think about the international side then? If you, we do feel U.S. is going to be growing at a little bit, maybe a slower speed than it had last year, but still growing. How do you feel about the international markets? Yeah, absolutely. That's the one where that's a little bit more of a question. So, you know, the recent economic data in Europe has been slowing. And in fact, in, in Germany, we've actually had some flat to even slightly down numbers with regard to industrial production and things like that. So that's one we're paying much closer attention to, to understanding what the drivers are. Is that temporary or are we, you know, are we in a slowing environment or are we in closer to a recessionary environment? The nice thing about Europe, I shouldn't say nice thing, but at least they're still stimulating their economy through, you know, their, their uh, fiscal and, and monetary policy actions they're still stimulating their economy. So there's a little bit of a floor there as opposed to us, which we're tightening a little bit more. The bigger question, and we're getting data, uh, you know, that show slowing is what is happening in China and how far will they slide, if you will, because there is certainly evidence that they're slowing. There's no question about that. It's just a question of how far and how fast they are going to slow. And will it affect what has changed in that Chinese economy with regard to the consumer spending side over there is, you know, the the prior growth cycle of China has largely been industrial, right? They've been building things. What they're looking at now and what they're trying to support for their economy is their consumer doing similar to what U.S. is, is they start to feel good. They spend more money and obviously their population is significantly higher. Um, right, and so right. they can, you know, if, so if they can get their people out spending, they will have positive growth as a result. We're not seeing evidence of that, you know, of a dramatic fall off right now. Certainly, um, you know, the 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 central bank in China has talked about stimulating if things do start to decelerate faster than they anticipate. But that I would say outside the U.S. is more of the question on the economic side than the U.S. I think the U.S. right now still looks pretty good. I, I there's no real evidence that we're transitioning over aggressively from an economic growth perspective where we are seeing it is a little bit more internationally. Interesting. So why don't you tell us just briefly for the listeners a little bit about that second fundamental that you brought up, the corporate earnings side of things. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, from the corporate earnings perspective, they tend to follow what's happening in their economies. Now, the thing with the S&P 500 is those are very large global-based companies, right? They're not just selling to U.S. consumers. They're selling everywhere. Right. And so they have to be cognizant of not only what's happening here, but what's happening abroad. And so, again, we think that it's another area where we're probably going to decelerate. We're not going to grow as fast as that. I, I, you know, I'm not, I never guarantee one of anything, but I'm pretty confident <laughs> sure. we're not going to do 20% plus growth in earnings again this year. And the reason why I'm fairly confident in saying that is we don't have tax reform again this year. So that's a big driver of what happened when the U.S. tax rate goes from help. 39 to 21% yep. for, US account, yep. for U.S. companies. That's a big driver of earnings growth. And we're just sure. not going to repeat that again this year. You know, they'll stay low, but they don't get that one-time benefit that they had from last year. So, but from my perspective and what we see right now, we see it's still able to get probably five, six, seven percent earnings growth in 2019. And the reason they're doing that is the US is still growing. Global economies are still okay right now. There's still opportunities for a little bit of margin expansion and the company's balance sheets are pretty healthy. So they're able to buy back stock, pay their dividends, do those types of things to where we wouldn't. I, I again, don't see a reason for them to have a negative year over year growth. 
I think it could be a mid-single-digit type of growth year. From the perspective of what could swing that, uh, certainly oil prices, right? Again, what I had talked about before was driving oil from 77 down to 45 or to 50 and those type of ranges. That has a pretty significant impact on the earnings per share of the oil companies or the energy companies within the S&P 500. Those are big companies. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's Exxon, that's Chevron. Those are very large companies. And so if their earnings begin to decline because oil prices continue to go down, that can be a swing factor on what our overall earnings growth looks like. But overall, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still pretty positive on the earnings aspect of 2019 being still positive on a year-over-year basis, just not nearly as fast as 2018. With all that being said, why don't we talk a little bit now what your initial forecast is going to be for both the bond side as well as the stock side? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's start with the bonds. Um we think rates are still going to be rising, but one of the things we're changing a little bit on is that we largely thought rates were going to rise last year, and we think it's going to be this year, but we think it's going to be a much slower pace in 2018. You know, I we had four rate rises in 2018. We think 2019 is much more along the lines of one to two. And, and the reason we're thinking that is, again, a, a little bit, we're not overheating from our economic perspective. They've largely done what they wanted to do to getting rates up. And they probably will continue to monitor what's going on in the situation, not only in the U.S., but in the economies abroad. And I think that's just going to lead to a little bit more stability in rate rises going forward. I just don't think we're going to see as many in 2019 as we saw in 2018. Yeah, we heard Powell pull back a little bit from his original uh his original thought yeah, process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think he rises. learned a little bit of a lesson after uh, some of the commentary and the stock market performance the spank, after it. The spanking that Trump gave him. Yeah, <laughs> and just and just understanding that his words have dramatic impact on yep. what people are going to do in the stock market. Yep, so exactly. I think they learned it. He softened it up after the fact. And, and, and really, it wasn't a big change in what he actually said. It's the way he said it that, that made it a little bit more like, okay, they are actually going to pay attention and, and maybe slow down the pace here a little bit going forward. So I think that was a good thing for markets to hear and, and, and just understanding that, hey, they are going to be more data dependent and brought down their estimate for 2019 as a result. So that was good. Okay. Um, so if we look at what we think about just bonds over, you know, over this year is one of the big changes that we saw from the beginning of last year to, the, to now this year is the amount of yield you get from portfolios now in bonds, which wasn't an occurrence over the past three or four years. <laughs> I mean, really, we were telling people to stay in bonds from our perspective and saying, hey, to lower your volatility of your overall portfolio so that you're not taking the full weight of the stock market, those types of things. But we really weren't talking about income generation because, frankly, there wasn't a lot. Running, um, right. But now we're getting into an area where there actually is. I mean, if you look at, you know, two-year rates are about 2.5%, and that's for a treasury rate. And so you're getting 2.5% for holding your money for two years. That's not terrible. If you look at corporate bonds, you're getting about, for short-term corporate bonds, the one- to five-year maturity range, you're getting about 3.2%, 3.5% on that return. That's not bad. That's much more in line with what long-term averages are from bond returns. It's still a little bit uh, sub-average, but it's much closer than it was to the 0 and 1% that we were seeing two and three years ago. So that's a big difference of our portfolios. And so we are actually talking a little bit more about bonds, not only from the lowering the volatility, not taking full risk of the market, but also some income generation. So 
We think that that's part of their portfolio benefit now is owning a portion of bonds. We're still not going very far out on the maturity scale. You don't want to be taking 20 and 30 year bonds right now because frankly, you're not getting paid to take that risk. If you're doing two and three year bonds and getting two and 3% from those, that's not bad. And that's why, you know, it adds an element to the portfolio. It's still is lower volatility. It still reduces your risk overall, but now it's giving you the added kicker of giving you a little extra income. That's really interesting, Jeremy. You know, as we round things out for the show, do you have any thoughts for the investors as to what they do now, kind of all things considered? Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you start the year, there's there's some real concrete things you can do that adds value. And one is discuss your plan. Know where you are from your overall planning perspective. You know, know your investment plan. Understand where you're allocated currently between stocks, bonds, cash, all the other investments you may have out there. Just know your overall picture and discuss that with your professional saying, am I set up in the right manner for myself going forward. That's always the biggest component of what you can do, especially at the beginning of the year is a great time to do it, is just understanding where you are and if you need to make changes with regard to what your expense needs are for your lifestyle or anything like that, discuss it with your investment professional and they can reconfigure the plan to fit your needs as best they can. The other big thing we're telling everyone to do is periodically rebalance and this is another good time. If you haven't done that in a few years, Now's a good time to do that. So why I tell people to do it annually is simply because what it tends to do is it tends to sell things that have worked very well for the year and it tends to buy things that haven't worked that well. It's still within your plan. It's just reconfiguring your portfolio to basically sell high and buy low, which is what you should be doing over an extended period of time. So we think by rebalancing and just understanding your overall plan, those are concrete actions you can take that don't involve forecasting the markets or understanding what's going to happen in the next couple of months, but does add value over an extended period of time. So we really encourage people to do that, and especially if you haven't done it for the last few years. Yeah, we actually have our, our portfolio managers automatically, automatically rebalance their, their holdings. And it's funny that you mentioned about buying low and selling high. You know, we're all taught to do that. But the reality is it's actually pretty difficult to do, you know, especially when the accounts are down you know, it's hard for the the investor to understand that that's the time to really focus and maybe buy a little bit more at that point and not not panic. And then when the market's on the height, that's when you start selling and taking a little bit of those profits. But that's also where the benefit of sitting down and talking with an advisor can help um, bring some value to the client's portfolios. Absolutely right, sir. All right. Well, hey, guys, we're out of time for today's show. It's been a good one. Is there anything you want to add before we go today? We just want to thank Jeremy again for coming out, spending some time with us, talking to the listeners today a little bit about the portfolios, their expectations, and what's going on. For the listeners, we just want to remind you that we're offering complimentary today the Retirement X-Ray, so a chance to get a outside uh, review of your portfolio, strengths, weaknesses, what's going on in there, get some feedback, make sure that you're on track to meet your goals. You can reach us at 855 793 2409 or online at wellingtonadams.com. Thank you for listening to Financially Tuned. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Baron Fitzgerald or Simon Hilliard at Wellington Adams Investment Advisory. Call 855-793-2409 or visit them online at wellingtonadams.com.
All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Baron Fitzgerald, Simon Hilliard, and Wellington Adams Investment Advisory are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.